This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray, a member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. This is Pastor Callie, and we're back with Miss Frida C. White, Pastor Frida, amazing woman of God, Frida, God's, God's daughter, and a real blessing to me. I can't even tell you what, listening to Frida talk uh, um, and share stories and what God has given her, a woman God can use. I have such a passion for this book because I really, I believe in my heart that God is raising up women across America and the world and this last great awakening is yes. going to be pioneered and and really thrust from women that are have made a decision to make a difference. And so we're going to pick up where we left off the last segment. We were talking about Esther, and then when we were talking uh, about uh, Daisy Osborne. Yes. And so let's pick up right, right. there. Well, um, just to, to recap a little bit, um, Esther was brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Yes. And um, when the enemy tried to destroy her as a young child, when her parents both died, and, you know, I began to look through the scripture at women God used that had a similar anointing with those in history. I really sensed that due to the fact that they both um, endured horrible family trauma at a young age, that Daisy was a perfect example of a woman God could use in the 1900s. Wow. And so um, Daisy, you know, her parents both die uh, tragically. Brothers, sister dies tragically. But God still had a plan for her life. And so I just want to say that you may be going through all kinds of trauma in your life. If you're listening to this broadcast today and you said, well, you know, these women don't know what I'm going through. No one knows what I'm going through. Yeah, there's probably been thousands that have gone down the same path you have because the enemy hates us. Yes. War was declared in the book of Genesis where it says enmity against women. And enmity means great, intense hatred. So the enemy hates you. He wants to destroy you if possible. And the only way we make it is that we run hard after God. We lean on our covenant and we refuse to allow bitter experiences to define us. Yes. We rise up in the unction and the anointing of God and say, but God. Yes. The the story is not done yet. No, No. We're not through. And so... Esther was an example of a woman that's thrust into a harem. She's, she's lost everything that she, every dream she had, every idea of what her life would be like. But God had a plan. Yes. And he absolutely brought her to the forefront. Daisy is living in California. She's poor, poverty stricken, doesn't know anything about the things of God. But then she comes to know him and at age 12. And so one day, there's a revival in her town. And who comes to preach the revival but a young man. And the man helping him was a man called T.L. 
uh, spring. Wow. Wow. Well, it was 1941, and she's only 17 years old. Wow. But they meet in church and fall instantly in love. (laughs) And he proposes, and she accepts. (laughs) You know, you talk about a classic love story. No, that's awesome. T.L. and Daisy had one. Now, their courtship, because after the revival, he goes back home to Oklahoma, and she's still in California. And they don't have any money, so they can't talk on the telephone, so they have to write letters, corresponding. And um, so finally, Daisy graduates from high school, and um, T.L. managed to hitchhike from Oklahoma to California with a couple that's driving west. And the last 100 miles, he has to hitchhike. So he rides with them, and then he hitchhikes. Wow. And they get married on Easter Sunday in 1942 and make their way back to Oklahoma. And when they get home, they have 52 cents to their name. 52 cents. 52 cents. Teenagers ready to obey God. Just do whatever God wants them to do. And... um, they weren't there long till they really felt like God wanted them to go back to California. Now, you talk about circling Sonic or circling some restaurant. <laughs> they, they, he comes from Oklahoma to California, finds his wife. He found him a good wife. Then she waits for him. Wow. And then he hitchhikes and catches a ride back to get her, and they get married. Then they come back to Oklahoma. Now they're going back to California again because, you see, it's very important where you live. Uh, let me just share this. The, the three most important decisions you'll ever make in your life is, number one, that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you're listening and you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, it's real simple. Just ask him. Say, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart right now. I repent of my sins. Yes. I want you to cleanse yes. me, wash me, make me new, and I want to be your child. Yes. I repent. I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. I'm yes. ready to serve you yes. with everything in me. And then the second most important decision is who you marry. Yes. You marry wrong and you can thwart your destiny. Yes, you can. And the third decision is where you live. Live. Yes. Ruth never found her Boaz till she left Moab. Your destiny is hinged to your geographical location. Yes. So TL's... um, Destiny was linked to a little gal in California. Wow. And um, they went back to his home, but it still wasn't where God wanted them to be. So they returned to California, and um, he traded in all of his possessions, which included the cow and calf, (laughs) (laughs) for a 1930 Model A Ford Coupe. Wow. Wow. And, you know, he was a little concerned about how they're going to make it. You know, that's a long way from Oklahoma to California sure, sure. in the 30s, 40s. And um, Daisy said, well, we can sleep in the car. <laughs> so she's just willing to do she whatever. She trusts God. She trusts God and she trusted TL. And she said, you know what? God's our provision. He'll make a way where it doesn't look like there's a way. And they did. They slept in the car. But it was all right. And when they arrived in California, they sold the car so they could have some cash and began to immediately minister in every place that God opened a door for them. And they both sang and they both preached, um, but sorrow was fixing to come knocking on their door again. On March 25th, 1943, their first child was born. She lived seven days. Wow. And died. 
and they were heartbroken. He was 19 and she was 18. Uh, Daisy, for her, it was one more facing loss and death. And she could have been overcome with sorrow. But God, but God, I personally believe this is one way that the enemy really tries to come against a woman called by the Lord, Mm -hmm. anointed by him, Mm -hmm. is to steal her seed, her legacy. But she had a heart for God, as did T.L., and they just determined, even though they went through months of horrible heartache, they came out on the other side and they moved to Oregon. And they just continued to preach the gospel. And their meetings became so successful, they pioneered a church. And and, um, T.L. said, I don't know whether we're qualified to be a pastor. And Daisy said, well, it's an opportunity. Let's do it. We can learn. I love her attitude. I mean, she just had an attitude of whatever we find with our hand to do. do Let's do it. Uh, Elizabeth Fry did the same thing. Sure. She's in prison and she said, well, you need to learn how to how to sew. Yeah. You need to learn how to read. You can't, you can't know anything about God if you can't read. Yes. So it's little steps that we make of being faithful. Now, while they're there in 1945, their son Tommy was born. And they joined the Pentecostal Church of God denomination. And um, so they uh, really, their superintendent came to visit and he talked about India. And they thought, well, maybe that's what we need to do. So they raised their money to go to India as missionaries, and when they get there, uh, they were absolutely broken in spirit. Um, their their son almost died of cholera and dysentery, and T.L. contacted uh, typhoid fever for six weeks and was at death's door. So finally, frustrated and weary, they come back to the States, and Daisy said, in those days, you didn't go to a foreign country and preach for a few months and come back home. It was a disgrace. But they felt like that they had to find the solution to why the people in India did not respond. When they preached to the multitudes, they just saw Jesus as another God. And they had all kinds of gods. Right. And they were determined to preach Jesus, the God of miracles. Yes. Now, this is unheard of because this woman, even though her background was not one of growing up knowing God like mine was. I mean, right. I can, I can, I was saved, came to know the Lord at age nine, but from the, my earliest recollection was studying the Bible, yes. but she didn't have that background. And yet she just fully was persuaded that God had a plan for her for the nations of the world. And finally in 47, their daughter, LaDonna Carroll was born and um, what a blessing because LaDonna carries on their heritage even now, their legacy. Um, I met LaDonna a few months ago, and what a delight she is. Wow, wow. Just a wonderful woman of God who travels the world and continues in miracles and crusades throughout the world. But at any rate, it was 1947, and they were so heartbroken because many of the generals of the faith, like Smith Wigglesworth and Gypsy Rodney Smith and... um, Alexander Dowie and Amy Simple McPherson, they'd already died and they hadn't had the opportunity to sit under their ministry. I think sometimes we take it lightly that we can sit under another mighty man or woman of God's legacy that's walked a path faithful. Sure. You know, hasn't been goofy. Right. 
And there's an impartation that you receive from those that have, have lived longer than you have, sure, that have ministered sure. longer. And we respect and honor those. Well, they didn't have that privilege. And they really believed God wanted them to have a miracle ministry. But all the generals were gone. Were gone. And so they just began to weep. And they once again hear about a woman preacher named Hattie Hammond. Wow. So they decided that they would go and listen to Hattie. And she's preaching on seeing Jesus. And they were so hungry for God, they come home. And all through the night, they're praying to have more of God. And so it's interesting because here they are pastoring. And Daisy was as desperate for God as her husband, T.L. They were equally yoked. Remember, I said that the first decision you make is to follow Jesus with all your heart. The second is who you marry. She, they married the right, right person. Equally yoked. Equally yoked. And so then they heard about services by William Branham. Wow. So they go to it, and when they go there, they see a miracle. Wow. And it just absolutely revolutionized their life. Later, uh, I can remember hearing T.L. Osborne years ago at Lakewood Church when Brother John Osteen was pastoring, and I think it was a Thanksgiving convention, and T.L. was there. And, and he said, I thought, if he can do it, I can do it. Sure. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. Same, same God. Same Holy Spirit. Same power. It's not us. It's him. And so they had faith that God would move. So what they did, they just started putting notices in newspapers. Come see the blind restored to sight. Come see the crippled walk again. By faith. By faith. I mean, they literally took God at his word, both of them. Not one of them, both of them. And uh, as a result, they began to minister and had great tent meetings. And during the first five years as a missionary, they, con they decided they were going to go to the nations. They conducted crusades in 11 countries and preached to millions. This is the early 1900s. Um, they even had a revival in Cuba where 50,000 individuals professed to accept Christ in Cuba. They asked the Lord for the nations of the world, and he gave them the ability and the power and the Holy Ghost to do that. What most people don't realize, that the crusade was conducted two weeks after their third daughter, Mary Elizabeth, was born and lived only a few moments. <laughs> so you, you hear about this great revival, for instance, in Cuba, where 50,000 people came to come to Christ, but we don't know the cost no. of the anointing. No. They paid a dear price to, to hold the anointing of God. It's one thing to say, I want to be anointed, I want to be called, but at what cost? Yeah, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price for the anointing? The anointing is costly. It's borrowed. It's not ours. It no. belongs to God. Yes, you're right. You're and right. so we have to get to the place where we say, okay, it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me. But am I willing to pay the cost? So I began to meditate upon that. You know, this is her second baby that she has buried. And yet she is determined to do what God's to called run me. her race well, yes. to do what God's called her to do. And I believe the powers of darkness thought that they could silence them. They underestimated the Holy One that lived on the inside of them. Yeah. And they, they hit them where it hurt. 
I beg the enemy hit her where it hurt. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they, um, they had to press through and in their sorrow, they gave back to God and he rewarded their heart for him. And multitudes were one to Jesus. And in a short seven year time, they surrendered in seven years. They surrendered two of their children back to God. Yeah. Heaven was a real place. Two of their precious children were there. Yes. And so for 40 years, they traveled and spoke in 100 nations in crusades and seminars. They additionally sponsored 25,000 national preachers are full-time missionaries to help their own unreached villages and tribes. And um, in the the beginning, they would put their daughter and their son that that lived in chairs beside the pastor's wife and TL would be on one side and Daisy would be on the other and the healing lines would come. Wow. Wow. So it was a joint ministry. It was a joint ministry. Um, It was unheard of for him to minister without her ministering at the same time. Wow, and he was ahead were, of his time. He was, they were both ahead of their time, but they weren't in the United States with all the rules and the dogma that we have to deal with in the United States. So here they are traveling in over 100 nations. And TL said this, people with crossed eyes, blind eyes, deaf ears, cripples were healed the same in Daisy's line as in mine. Yeah. The people didn't care which one of us prayed for them because right. it had nothing to do with male or a female. a female, it had to do with the power of the living Christ yes. resident on the inside of them. Right. And uh, then they produced gospel literature in 132 languages. That is no small feat. They led healing evangelism in Africa, the Middle East, India, and East Asia. And then they just began to pray for the masses. They did away with the healing lines because there was too many people. They couldn't physically pray for each individual. And the miracles continued. And they kept their family with them the whole time. Wow. Now, Daisy was amazing because after their devotions every morning, their parents would pluck out a Bible story as principles for living. And so what Daisy would do is that she would make a desk for the children, for her son and daughter. And she was their teacher for the first eight years of their education. So here she is ministering in the services with her husband, but she fully took responsibility for her children. Yes. And educated them. And I loved whenever I listened to LaDonna Osborne speak a few months ago, and she said, I have an earned doctorate. Wow. Wow. So the foundation that her mother gave her stood her well. Wow. as she continued her education. So, She said this, she was our only teacher for the first eight years of our education. I thank God for her influence and teaching genius that shaped my attitude towards knowledge and learning. And Daisy said this, I am a go-along, not a tag-along in God's number one job. I love that. I'm a go-along. I'm a go-along. I'm not a tag-along. You know, so many times... A minister would come in and uh, his wife is left sitting someplace while he goes down and fellowships with the other preachers because they don't understand she's a go-along, not a (laughs) tag-along. Daisy knew how to say it, didn't she? Yes, she did. (laughs) She's way ahead of her time. And so it was August of 1979 
when Daisy was in the United States. They had been out roaming the world for years and years and years. And they had a women's conference in San Bernardino, California. Wow. And um, she was one of the evening speakers. And I was privileged to do some workshops during the day. Isn't that awesome? And so I was a rare opportunity for me to share ministry with her. Um, As a young woman, she inspired me with her energy and passion for God. I mean, she loved God. Wow. And so all the hundreds of women that were present at that conference, it was a wow conference. uh, She just encouraged us to pursue God's plan for you. What does God design for your life? Wow. Not my life, your life. Right. And then run hard after it. Pursue it with everything in you. And uh, I looked at her and I thought, what a general in the faith she is. So she was faithful for 53 years to her husband, her family, to preach the gospel. Uh, She wrote five books, spoke French and Spanish fluently, directed all of their mass evangelism efforts, administrated all the missionary outreaches. I mean, she was brilliant. Yeah, she did all the organization. That's a lot of work. Yes, it is a lot of work. She was an incredible woman. And um, years later, after she passed away in 1995, um, she told her husband, tell our friends, don't hold me here any longer. I've finished my earthly course. My seed will run with the message. Yes. Keep the television off. Turn off the telephones. I want the room quiet. I'm waiting for my Jesus to come for me. He's coming very soon. I'm at peace. Wow. What a legacy. What a legacy. And uh, after sitting under LaDonna's ministry a few months ago, I thought her seed did run well. Yes. Because her mom and dad are both in heaven. And she continues on all over the world with crusades and ministry. And I think about that because in the New Living Translation of John sixteen thirty three, it says, I've told you all this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, I have overcome the, the world. world. Yes. I don't uh, think we understand that. We think when we read about we're going to have trials and tribulations and we think, well, it may be not finding a parking spot where I want it <laughs> or some frivolous thing. You know, right. I didn't get to eat what I wanted to eat sure, yesterday. Sure. And I want to say, you don't understand. No. These women paid a dear price yeah. to serve God. They've... She buried two children. Yeah. And kept on following the Lord and doing what he called her to do. Yes. What a woman. What a woman. Influencing not just a nation, but the nations. The nations of the 100 world. 100 nations of the world. And so I look at her anointing as the same as Esther. They both had to overcome things that could have destroyed them in their childhood. But they rose up in the anointing and fully obeyed the Lord. Wow, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. I want to, um, if we have time, sure. I'd like to talk about a certain woman of Tebes in the Old Testament. Um, this was a woman that is really interesting because um, insignificant woman. Once again, we don't know what her name was. We just know where she lived. Mm-hmm. I assure you, the powers of darkness don't care what our name is either. No. They, uh, they know when we pray. Yeah. Yeah. They know when we stand against the powers of darkness. Yes, yes. And so this woman was living in Gideon's time. And after Gideon died, there was a power struggle 
among his sons over who would be the ruler. What they fail to understand and what most people fail is that it's not about man's appointment. It's about God's anointing. So whether you're a male or a female, man can appoint you. He can give you titles. He can give you all kinds of credentials. Yeah, it doesn't mean but, it'll be powerful. But if God has not anointed you, yeah, it won't mean nothing. it's futile. Yeah, yeah it, it means nothing. And so these guys are, <laughs> these sons are quarreling. And so the son of his concubine. So Gideon has a wife and then he has a wife on the side or a concubine. And so the son of the concubine, Abimelech, decided he ought to be the king. And so he persuades his mother's family to finance him, and he kills all but one of his brothers so that he could be the ruler. And um, then he goes out and stands on the side of the hill of of the mount, and he begins to scream to them, declaring his leadership. And I love it whenever you read about this in the book of Judges 8 and Judges 9, how that that he would just declare himself. And I know lots of people. I mean, there's people in my town that are man-appointed. They yeah. appoint themselves. They're not God-appointed. But they're not God-anointed. Mm-hmm. There's the difference to mm-hmm. me. Man-appointed, God-anointed. Because if you're anointed, no devil in hell can we'll stop, stop you, you. Right. if you lean hard on your covenant. So one day, this guy, Abimelech, who was an imposter and a ruthless murderer, he made a fatal mistake when he set siege at a place called Tabez. And he would destroy anybody in his way. If you would kill your own brothers. You'll kill anybody. You'll kill anybody. But he underestimated the power of one woman filled with godly wisdom. And... um, In Judges, the ninth chapter, I'd like to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. It says, a certain woman cast an upper millstone down upon Abimelech's head and broke his skull. (laughs) Then he called hastily to the young man, his armor bearer, and said, draw your sword and slay me so that men may not say of me, a woman slew him. And his young man thrust him through and he died. Now... (laughs) I think that is something that here's this woman that somehow had enough of the anointing of God to see him over the wall as he has set siege and stop him. And uh, she was able to grab a hold of a part of this um, millstone and threw it over. And they said in church history that it was anywhere from 10 to 18 inches in length and several inches thick, but her precision I mean, it's one thing to throw something over the wall. It's another to throw it over the wall and hit your target. Yeah, and break his skull open. Break it. Didn't kill him, but he knew he was gone. Yeah. But he was so full of pride. He didn't want to die there slowly. And he didn't want it to be noised abroad that a woman did it to him. Yeah. What a sad situation. But you know what? God's always got a woman he could use. Right. He's just looking for somebody. did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's one more picture of the power of a woman who knows her authority in Christ Jesus, who does damage to the kingdom of darkness through prayer. It's the anointing that enabled her that feat of dropping the stone on him. It's the anointing on women today who pray and stand in the gap for their families. God's just looking for somebody that's available. Yes. 
So who could be available? Who could he use like this woman? Who had an anointing that could just penetrate the darkness? Well, I think about Maria Woodworth Eder. Maria was born on a farm in Ohio in 1844. Uh, neither one of her parents were Christians. Wow. They didn't know God. Uh, they finally, when she was 10 years old, joined the Disciple Church. And when she was 13, she was converted. And she said that she believed she heard the Lord speak, go to the highways and the hedges and gather in the lost sheep. Wow. 13 years old. Now, you think about that. Daisy Osborne was 12. So many uh, of women that God used, they were just beginning teenagers. And you know, the enemy would love to steal our young people. But yet, if they're sensitive to the things of God, if we if we haven't caused them to, to reject the gospel, they'll respond to the yes, wooing of the Holy yes, Spirit. Yes. If you have teenagers in your home or your grandchildren, you need to, to speak to them about the things of God. At, at that period of their life, that's when they're least... Um, uh, accept, uh, accessible sometimes to the things of God, but they don't, doesn't have to be that way. No. We can press through right. in prayer and see them come. Um, even though Maria didn't have a formal education, she was neither ignorant nor unrefined. Now, what happened to her is what I was sharing with you about the anointing. She, uh, after the Civil War, she meets a young soldier and they get married, but he didn't have any desire for the things of God. And it's unfortunate, but they were unequally yoked together. And it was continual heartache in their marriage. Once again, uh, they had six children and five of them died. Oh. Five. But somehow she worked through her personal pain and heartache as she buried her five children. Um, And her husband was unable to comfort his wife. As a matter of fact... um, He got involved with another woman (laughs) committing um, adultery, adultery, but it was the betrayal and the rejection. So here she senses God had called her to ministry. She marries wrong. She has the heartache of burying five children. Her husband cannot even comfort her because he's involved with another woman. And so finally they get a divorce. And, you know, he uh, had to face, I mean, she had to face the disgrace yeah, of a I divorce. Mean, it's a disgrace now, but back then it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, terrible. And so uh, the betrayal from her husband, then the divorce, her only hope was to focus on the Lord. He is our only hope when we go through the storms of life. Yes. And so even after they divorced, he tries to humiliate her and discredit her. But within a year, he dies of typhoid fever. Wow. So what happened is this. God called her to preach to the lost. And when a door opened for her to minister at a friend's meeting, she opened up, God opened up her understanding and gave her a vision of hell and the danger that was awaiting people that didn't know God. And so she began to beg them to turn to the Lord and to make the choice to accept Jesus as her life and to to repent, to get your heart right with God. And many times she had so many conversions of middle-aged people, not younger, but middle-aged that were set in their ways and had hardened their heart 
but the anointing that rested on Maria Woodworth Eder was powerful. And she understood the place of women in the Bible. She knew about the Miriam. She knew about the Deborah. She knew about the Hannahs. She knew about the Marys of the New Testament. And she was convinced the prophet Joel said there would come a time when the women would arise. God looked at her heart of obedience and she just began to bring many. She began to organize and preach in large meetings 30 years before women could vote. Wow, that's, am- that's amazing. In the United States. Wow. The favor of God was on her. And she saw the miraculous power of God. And the divorce did not stop her. She just pressed on for 45 years. She crisscrossed the nation with her passionate appeals and took time to write her 500-page autobiography, which only highlighted the, highlighted the major parts of her life. Uh, let me tell you something. My new book is about 220 pages. Uh, that's a, a lot of writing. But to do 500 that's a lot. page, that, that's powerful. And um, it's, it's amazing to me the men that would read her, her writings. Uh, she authored 10 books. Wow. And men like F.F. Bosworth, Smith Wigglesworth, Stanley Smith, David Duplessy, among others. Uh, David Duplessy said this, Mrs. Woodworth's books are marvelous. Wow. Years ago, I used to read her books often for the wonderful inspiration they provided. Wow. So here's a woman that went through the betrayal and rejection of her husband. They divorce. She just continues on to serve God. She's not moved by, all right, that's in my past, not in my future. I'm going to do what you called me to do. And then she just starts writing books. And men pick up her books and start to read them and glean from her inspiration. So for a, a man to say a woman has to be silent, why would a woman write something and a man look at it? <laughs> why would he even study it? Yeah. It's all ridiculous. See, we have to take the whole counsel of God's word. Let's not pick out just isolated little verses here and there that we can center on. Let's see what God's plan was. In the beginning, he called them. Male and female. Male and female, Adam. He said, you are to rule, take dominion in the world. He didn't say Adam and this little tag along wife you've got with you. (laughs) He said to them. Right. And so Maria had a call of God on her life. And so she, did she make a mistake in marrying that young soldier? Yeah, yeah, she did. But she didn't let that define her. No. We don't let our past define, define her. her. No. We let God define us. Yes. And if the anointing of God rests upon us, who are we to let man with his ideas stop what God wants to do? So her influence began to spread throughout the nations. And her books were published in French, Italian, Danish, Swedish, Egyptian, dialects of India and South Africa. And they were so widespread that for 50 years after her death, letters were still being addressed to her. Wow. This little woman wow. that we cannot even imagine. In 1889, she had an 8,000 seat tent and began to travel with it. Wow. 1889. Now, the logistics. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Of putting up a a tent of that size. I mean, we've got a little tent that our church owns, 
And it takes men lots of work just driving those tent pegs in to erect that. And it's probably will seat 200. 8,000 is a large tent. It's not for the faint of heart. No. But during the next 14 years, she traveled 35,000 miles, held services in 13 states, stood before hundreds of thousands of desperate people. And their travel is with horse buggy and buggy or wagon hauling that tent from city to city to state to state and then enlisting people to help her erect the tent and she looks like everybody's grandma. Nothing about her appealing. Yeah, she was Ex- tiny from yes, what I remember. Yes, just a little bitty guy. A little bitty woman. So, two-thirds of her converts were past middle age. Two-thirds wow. of them. Wow. And when God opened doors for her, she had a godly reputation and the power of God was on her and she just walked right through them. And um, it says up to 25,000 people sometimes attended her meetings. 25,000 people. I mean, my little town of Cleveland has 7,000 plus or minus one dog. I mean, it's (laughs) not many people. She preaching to 25,000. That's hefty. You can't get 25,000. You know, when we fill up an arena with 25,000, do you imagine the money that goes forth to get 25,000 into an arena? Yeah. Think That's about right. the think about the logistics and the way people communicated. That's unbelievable. Yes. It had to be word of mouth. Yes, and a, and a few newspapers that would print something weekly or whenever. So when she's forty years old, this little petite woman who looked like somebody's grandma stirs the nation, and she often went to churches that were stagnant, and witnessed them come into life under the anointing wow, of God. Wow. She delighted in going in, not to churches that were alive and full of the presence of God. She'd go she into wanted, the dead ones. She went to the ones that desperately needed a touch of God. And she was used to link the divine healing movement and the Pentecostal movement. And so it was while she was traveling that in 1902, over 100 years ago, she met Samuel Etter in Arkansas, and they married, and they worked together for 12 years until he died. Wow. So she remarried. She did remarry him, Maria Woodworth Etter. And so Maria's time in Dallas with a young pastor named F.F. Bosworth, you know, I know of F.F. Bosworth because he wrote the book Christ the Healer, a classic on healing. Well, he had a church in Dallas and it was a fertile place for miracles and healing Wow! in 1910. And she came and held a great revival, tent meetings at his church every night, every night for five months. Wow. Every night for five months is a long time. The energy she had. Many were healed of serious medical problems and And the word of miracles that happened in her meetings began to spread. Word of mouth, it began to spread. And people came from all over the United States to sit in her services. Uh, Let me ask you this. What kind of church was Bosworth? Was it a uh, Pentecostal or was it a Baptist? No, it wasn't. Kind of a non-denomination? I I think so. It was in in Dallas, but he he was uh, a master of communicating and miracles just began to Was he the voice happen. of healing? No, that was um, Gordon Lindsay. Okay, okay. Well, he was associated with the voice of healing. Uh, okay. So you had Gordon Lindsay and, 
and many of those in the healing revivalists. Wow. But this is this is before then. This is around the turn of the century. Wow. This is 1910. That's amazing. The healing uh, revivalist that you're talking about was in the 40s. So that came after, many years yes, after. Yes, but it was birthed then in Dallas under F.F. F. Bosworth. Wow. So his writings on Christ the Healer, that's why it's a classic even today. Wow, wow. So he provided the the place for her to come, Fertile but she ground. still brings her tent. Wow. And had a revival in Dallas for five months. Five months, preached every night. Wow. Every night. And so as a result, Pentecostal newsletters began to pick up and talk about her. And she was a forerunner. John G. Lake referred to her as Mother Edder. Mother Edder. In her sermons. And she's been called the grandmother of the Pentecostal movement. Now, Samuel becomes ill and he dies in 1914. And the strain of her husband's illness and loss, along with the meetings going on, right. uh, caused her to become ill herself with pneumonia. And at age 67, she thought, well, I'm going to die too. And back in that day, Pneumonia were, was a death sentence. It was a death sentence. And at 67, you're, you're right. on up there. Right. But God gave her a vision as a conqueror of death and disease. And her life's work was not finished. Wow. And in 1915, she's back on the road ministering again. Wow. And she's 67 years uh -huh. old. Three years later, she thought that, um, you know, I'm sure it's over. But she sensed the Lord would have her begin and found a church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And at the age of 74, she's still active. And her church became the center of ministry in Indianapolis. And it became a conference center, if you wow. will. Wow, wow. And it's still in operation today as Lakeview Christian Center with over 1,500 members. Amazing. This little woman. She gave away more than she ever kept. Her earthly possessions meant little to her as her focus was on eternity and those who did not know the Lord. After she celebrated her 80th birthday, she was determined to attend the camp meeting services that were being conducted. And she was in frail health. And um, her longtime associate, August Fieck, remembered the emotions of the people as they carried her into the service wow. sitting in her chair. Can you imagine? When she entered, the congregation stood and began to praise God that she was there with them. A little later, even though she was frail, they help her up on the platform and she's energized by the Holy Ghost and she begins to walk back and forth and exhorted all to be ready to meet God. Wow. One more time, the Spirit of God just came on her and wow. moved on her. Wow. Her only living child was 60 years old, named Lizzie. But she was fatally injured in a streetcar accident. This is her last child, child 60, in 1924. So Maria bravely stood at her daughter's funeral wow. and spoke to those in attendance to be ready to meet the Lord. Wow. Amazing. Her inner resolve held her steady. And at the graveside, she encourages those to have faith in God and begins to sing one of her favorite songs from her years in ministry. One more time, her song was an invitation to Christ. And a few weeks later, the Ohio farm lady 
called by God to preach 50 years earlier, passed on to her eternal reward. Wow, what a, what a story. Amazing, amazing how God could call a little lady from a farm in Ohio. Yes. And travel throughout the, the nation. World. Well, she stayed primarily in the United States, but she just went from state to state to state to state to state and would stay until revival broke out. Wow. Wow. And she didn't care how long it took. She was after the lost. She was after those that didn't know God. She was determined to deal a fatal blow to the powers of darkness. She didn't throw a millstone over the top. She threw the word out. Which is a millstone. Yeah, it is. Because it shatters the powers of darkness. And as a result, women were finding a place in God. Men respected her. And her authority was never questioned. Her reputation was never questioned. Because she was totally sold out to God. Isn't that beautiful? I love it whenever you read. If we don't learn from those that have walked before us, if we don't receive the baton that they have passed to us, then we suffer as a result. No, and it's not God's will that we relearn. It's God's will that we start where they finish and go to the next level. Mm -hmm. And and you're so right. We must study our predecessors. Well, they had so much wisdom. And um, whenever I think about the inconvenience that they endured, the hardship they endured, I think, well, what's the big deal, Frida? Why can you not endure some hardship, some little thing? Mm-hmm. Me too. You know, for me, um, we, in the, in, the, in the last seven months, our little precious granddaughter was Jesus in a horrible accident. And then last week, my brother, who was an Assembly of God pastor, uh, went on to be with the Lord. And so in seven months, we've had two members of our family that have passed on to their reward. Well, I haven't lost them. I know right where they are. Right, right. They're in glory. They're enjoying the rewards of faithfulness and serving God. I mean, our little granddaughter, Jessica, loved God with everything in her. She witnessed to people constantly, inviting them to come to church. Um, I remember whenever she was... uh, um, I don't remember. She was almost seven when she went home to be with Jesus. But she was probably, we had just built our new church. And she said, well, I have to get baptized again. And her mama said, why? And she said, well, I haven't been baptized in this church. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, loved God, was very vocal about the Lord. And so, you know, we go through hard times. And for my family, it's been tough the last few months. But God is still faithful. He is still good. It doesn't matter. I haven't even begun to tap into something like Maria Woodworth Eder, who buried five of her six, and at the end of her life, buried the sixth one. Yeah. All her children went to be with the Lord before she did. That's right. Which is not easy. No, it's not and easy. it's not, you, you, you never want to see that come to no, pass. No, You think you'll be the one that they'll bury, not that you bury, especially the little ones. Yes. But, but she went through that and still kept her heart right, did not become bitter. Yes, yes. And, and, and let me just speak to you. If you're listening and you've suffered loss, maybe you've buried a child or you've, you've, um, uh, gone through a horrible divorce where you faced betrayal and you think, well, God couldn't use me. I I just want to share with you. Yes, he can use you and he will use you. If you will just get your heart right. If you'll look into the word 
and, and, and get my book and read it. Yes. It will help you because you'll begin to be encouraged yes. that other women have experienced loss. They've experienced heartache. They've experienced rejection, but they didn't quit. And as long as we don't quit and we stay the course, there's a great reward promised to us. But we have to continue. We have to purpose in our heart that we're not going to quit. So if you're listening today and you've gone through stuff and you think, I'm I'm just done. I'm done. I cannot do this. It's too hard. No, it's not too hard. No. The way of the transgressor is hard. Yes. Yes. If you love God and you know God, you do not have a hard life. You have a blessed life. Yes. Jesus paid the price for you yes. to have a blessed life. So it's not a hard life. And do not allow those words to come out of your mouth. You rule your words. You rule your situation. And you take charge of them right now in the name of Jesus. And yes. I, I feel real strong that there's someone listening that, that you've even said, that you know, this is just too hard. I can't do this. I can't cope. Yes, you can cope. The greater one lives on the inside of you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Yes. I don't want to get into preaching That's okay. I'm glad you're preaching. You know, this is what we need to hear. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. We live in a fallen world. Yes, we do. And I don't have the answers for everything. Nobody does. But I do know that, like Frida said, God is good. Yes, he is. God is good. And even in the, even when the enemy, anything that is taken from you, the Bible says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Anything that's taken from you, it is not God. It is, it is the enemy, but God will always make sure that you get repaid and that, that something good comes out of it. He'll turn it into something good there. And and I don't know, I don't understand some of the losses that I've been through in my life. I've asked God questions. Why? And, 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 and I didn't always get the answer, Frida. We don't always get the answer. I don't think sometimes the answer will be good enough. It never will. So we learn to never say why. Because why never solves our problem. What we do is we go back. And to me, it's really comforting to me to read about how other women solved the dilemma at home. I mean, when I think about people like Daisy Osborne that buried two of her children and still traveled the world and preached the gospel. When I think about women like... um, this one that we, Elizabeth Fry, that was such a reformer yes, in England. Yes. She had 11 children, but she buried her little daughter, who was named after her, Betsy. Yes. Five years old uh, at, the, at the stage in her life. But she didn't let that stop her. So we cannot let, even though we live in a world that's turned upside down, we do not let the world define us. Well, and part of that is... The world watches us. Yes, they do. And they see us handle the same things they go through. That's right. And how we are allowed Jesus to heal us. Yes. uh, Give us victory. Yes, we grieve. Yes, We're human beings. We're going to grieve well. We're going to go through these problems. But Jesus is going to take us through the problem. That's right. And the world sees us depend on Jesus. And that gives them hope that, hey, if I give my life to Jesus, it doesn't mean my life's going to be perfect. But it means I'm going to have the anointing and the power to be an overcomer. That's right. And at the end of our days... When I, when I think back on all these women that have run before us and they're in that great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us and, and they're encouraging us and they're saying, don't quit, keep on running. I think back years and years ago when our, our daughter was running track and uh, there was a little boy that uh, went to church with us and, 
And when he ran around, they were both running at the same time. And when he came around the bend, he just ran off in the middle in the grass. He just quit running. And afterwards, I asked my daughter, I said, why did he quit? She said, well, he said it was too hard. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They go around the bend. They're running their race well. God has a good plan for their life, but they, they just, just quit. quit. And, and they, they say it's too hard. And that just keeps coming up in my spirit. Do not let yourself say, I have a hard life. You have to retrain your, your words, retrain your thinking process and I say, you. I have a blessed life. Yeah. The greater one's on the inside of me. That's why you learn to look for scriptures that will build you up and you begin to confess what God's word says. And years ago, I learned to do that. And as a result, out of my innermost being will come those things. And so it's almost like fingernails on the chalkboard when someone says I have a hard life because I have to watch it that I don't say, no, ma'am, you do not have a hard life. You have a blessed life. Yes. Are you are you serving God? Yes. Then you don't have a hard life. It's the transgressor that has the hard Lord, life. Yes, yes. That's what the Bible says. That's our final authority. That's our rule book. And so what I've endeavored to do with writing this book is to look at women God used, compare it with the scripture, and it's full of scripture. Why? Because that's the only thing that we have to live by that will enable us to overcome. You know, I, there's, no, there's no words. I don't, I don't understand why Jessica went to heaven. No. I mean, I don't, this early. No. I, mean, I mean, knew the child was going to go to heaven, but I yeah. don't know why she would leave. Yeah. So early. There's no words for that. But what I can say is the Lord knew that you were writing a book called A Woman God Can Use. And the Lord knew that this book had an anointing on it and that Paige and you were going to do great exploits. And the enemy wanted to try to stop that. He cannot. He cannot stop He cannot that. stop. And, you know, Jessica is in heaven. Yes, she is. She's perfect. She's she she loves her grandma. She loves her mama. And she is she is the fruit of the life that you've lived. And she just went early. Yes, she did. And you know the the sad thing is that that we're selfish. We want her here. Yes. But I promise you, she had one glimpse of glory and she didn't want to come back. She wasn't coming back. And I, I always think about, I had a, one of my favorite um, authors is C.S. Lewis. And I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. And it's like Jessica went in the wardrobe. And she didn't want to come back. And she's not coming back. And um, she has all these adventures in glory that we don't understand. Um, these women that we've talked about on these broadcasts these last few weeks, they experienced the same thing. Yes. And they knew that their children were not in their past. They were in their future. Yes. Because if you, uh, if you understand what the Bible says, the Bible says, you know, it's gain. Yes. And so our Jessica, my brother, Doug, it's all gain. It's all gain. It's all good. Well, I just, I just declare and prophesy a million daughters. Yes. A million yes. daughters for you and Paige. A million daughters that take this book and make a decision to serve God. I just declare and prophesy over Paige that we will have more children. Yes. And a beautiful, yes. beautiful little girl 
that will do the great exploits for Jesus. I just declare healing over you. I declare healing over Paige. I prophesy healing. I thank you, Lord, for what this book is going to do. I thank you, Lord, that this is not just words or somebody trying to write a book so that they right, can right. be famous. This is somebody that's lived a life of sacrifice, and I honor you, Frida. And I just declare that as every woman hears these stories, that, that we're going to be gripped with a desire to sell out to the kingdom of yes. God. To sell out. This yes. is a book that could be called A Woman God Can Use and A Woman That Sold Out. That's right. And I just declare that as every woman hears this, men and women, that we will sell out to the uh, the call and the purpose of God in our lives. We will not settle for any ploy of the devil. That's right. We will let our past be our past. We will focus focus intently on our future knowing that god has great exploits for us to do and i just honor you i can't wait till next week we'll do a, another couple of series it's it's just god is doing great things this is a book that's going to change a million women's lives in jesus name and we'll see you next week we love you god bless for the you. past hour you've been listening to the warrior's watch with pastor callie hargraves as your host for more information concerning this program go to bpnradio.com